Thanks for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. It's the whole gang here. Jake Watroba, Justin Sosa, myself, Stephen Jotterand at Uncle Sam's Soccer Pod. Boy, it's good to be back. Fellas, how we doing today? Justin, it's been a, a very right. busy soccer weekend. Yeah, I mean, all the leagues are getting back. They're starting their 2020-21 seasons. Uh, MLS is still trying to get through 2020. Um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy to be a sports fan right now. There's so much going on. Jake, obviously the NFL. Oh, well, hold on here. I, want, I actually want to ask Justin a quick question. Did you watch Bola Vista yesterday in Reggie Cannon's debut for the club? No. You are Portuguese. <laughs> I wasn't going to watch a friendly for <laughs> Bola Vista. No, yeah. I mean, like I saw the highlights and his goal and stuff. That was great. But I wasn't going to watch that friendly. I just, I'll wait till the actual league starts. I figured I'd ask. I figured I'd ask. Steven, you're going to ask him about football. Yes. Because that's we, what we do. Th- th- this is uh, – we might as well call this Uncle Sam's NFL Minute here with Jake Watrova and Steven Jotter. And Justin uh, – or listeners, I say, Justin's not the biggest NFL guy. Is that correct, Justin? Yeah, I don't follow football in the slightest. <laughs> there you oh, go. Oh, wait. Actually, funny story. Past week, my friend. This isn't football. This is baseball, which I also don't really follow that much. Um, my friends asked me to name three baseball players, and I got Degrom, Cespedes, and I was struggling very much on the third player. But then I got Bryce Harper, so I named three players. So I gave myself a little wow, pat on the back. That's, that's amazing. It, it it shows you right there. It's a great <laughs> Jake. That's a great illustration of how Mike Trout. Yes, arguably. You know, they say you failed to. You- you failed to name arguably the greatest player of all time who's playing today. You failed to mention his name when you said uh, of one of the three players you could think of that play Major League Baseball today. Mike Trout? I mean, isn't he the best player in the league at the moment? And Justin can't announce, uh, name him off that list? Tells you about how terror, how awful MLB markets its players. But more importantly, Jake, the NFL's back. We, we know in this country the NFL is... Well, actually, we probably know in the world, the NFL's the most powerful, most watched, not watched, but just has the biggest revenue source of income in America, in the world. It's it's the top league. It's the league that everyone wants to be. Game six between the Nuggets and the Clippers apparently happened Sunday around noon. I didn't even know that. It t- I was... It got buried among all the NFL stuff, which is nuts to me. I mean, if you were watching NFL count on ESPN, you would have known about it because they were teasing it, uh, uh, you know, as the as they approached noon. But yeah, I, I mean, I didn't watch. I took the back. I did watch about three minutes of Clips Clippers. Uh, I think they were down 16 points in the third quarter, and I saw Twitter was freaking out that they cut it to like a five point game. So I, I flipped the game on for a little bit. Um, just to see what was happening. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the NFL is king in this country. We all know that. Everybody, I mean, Justin, who's not a, a football fan at all, knows that the NFL is king in this country. Um, and here we are, a soccer podcast, talking about 
week one of the NFL. Yeah. Hey, and uh, Mr. Negative, tank for Trevor. What are the odds the Vikings go 0-16? Not not great. I, I mean, look, don't go 0-16. Go 1-15. At least win a game. Don't be – you don't want to be like the, the whatever. Okay, Buccaneers but give me the odds. What are the chances that, that the Vikings – I think the Browns – I think the Browns – I think the Browns did it a couple of years ago too, actually, with 0-16, and then the, and the Lions did it within the last 10 or 15 years. But you don't want to go 0-16. You don't want to be that guy. Don't want to be that guy? Okay. But the Vikings aren't going to go 0-16? No. No, we're not going 0-16. We're not that bad. <laughs> anyway, okay, on today's episode, listeners, we're talking about U.S. men's national team players abroad. Who are we excited for? What are the expectations with some of these players? And Jake, there's there's some very good American players in Europe writing some some gonna write some massive headlines this season. Yeah, and Steve, I think we should talk about some of the more obvious players over in Europe. I mean, obviously Christian Pulisic with Chelsea. You have Zach Steffen at Manchester City, and going to Germany. Three, you could argue three of the most, maybe the most important players to this men's national team, maybe in the next four to, you know, 12 years with Tyler Adams at Leipzig, Gio Reyna at Dortmund. And I cannot, I cannot underestimate, not underestimate, but I don't know what the right word is uh, to, to describe this. Josh Sargent is arguably, in terms of the U.S. men's national team going forward, the most important player for this national team. Because if he does not develop into a serviceable striker after Josie Altador, who is getting older by the minute, this, this team has nothing. This team has nothing. I, I disagree. At not, that position. I disagree. I think Christian Pulisic could be the leading goal scorer when it comes to qualification, when it comes to these tournaments. But you don't want Christian Pulisic playing striker. No, but – is Messi is Messi player. a striker? Is Ronaldo really a striker? I mean, when we talk They're about the, the most important player for a team, I don't always think it's a striker. You need a serviceable striker. And, and as we've talked about on this show for the last two years, we are very thin at the striker position. I, I don't think if Sargent misses, it'll be the end of the world for us. I think Timothy Weah can still play at striker. I still think Io Akinola is a viable option that's coming through at Toronto. Um, that's if he picks the U.S. to, to, to play. I don't, see, I don't see how he goes from representing us at almost every youth national team level, having Greg Berhalter like, in his ear at the MLS's back tournament and then just saying, nah, I want to play for Canada. Like he he's literally playing with Michael Bradley well, and Josie Altador at yeah, Toronto. Justin, yeah, I, I, but he is playing in Toronto, and you you do. I, I mean, I, I think the Canadian national team's on the up. Maybe somebody pitches him this idea of okay, let's say let's this. bring let's, the let's, Canadian let's, national team to something worthwhile in Concacaf, where maybe me, they could sneak into the final of a Gold Cup or something like that. Let me hit you with this. Let me hit you with this. And granted, I, look, I think Akinola is probably going to make his decision before qualifying, right? I mean, would we assume that? I mean, yeah. you're going to have to, I think. What if Canada goes, hey, you pick us, we're going to pencil you in, in World Cup qualifiers. Come, was it when they start? Next September? 
Yeah, in 2021. I the U.S. I the U.S. isn't going to for sure pencil them in because they have Altidore and they have Sargent. Yeah, but who's yeah they have Altidore and they have Sargent. Then who's going to fill the third spot? It's anybody's guess. Uh, Jossie Zardes. I can that that there's your guess. I mean that's the. Yeah, but then okay, so you pencil in Jossie's artist. What's the likelihood that Altidore's hamstrings haven't given out on him by whatever? <laughs> no, he that's, that's 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 or like that Josh Sargent is actually playing well for Werder Bremen. Not I, that he hasn't. He's on a fairly like underwhelming team, but like at the same time, if Akinola's scoring goals, if he picks up form for Toronto going into 2021, and Sargent's not doing that with Werder Bremen, regardless of how they're playing, I would rather have Akinola, who's on confidence, get that call up. I I I don't. I see what you're saying, but I really think that Canada's chances of signing him or capping him before us are pretty slim. No, I, I get that. I guess the way I look at it is when you – I look at it from the standpoint of how the U.S. got Julian Green to commit to playing for the national team, which was we're going to give you a World Cup spot. And I think if Canada was in that position, you know, let's just say we get to the qualifying and he hasn't made a decision or commit, been cap-tied – well, to a national team, which I don't think he would be between now and then. Um, if Canada says, we'll pencil you in for qualifying. If we qualify for the World Cup, you'll be in the squad. And the U.S. hasn't made that, appro- made that uh, approach to him. And you have Sargent, you have Outdoor in front of him. Like you said, if Outdoor's healthy or isn't healthy, maybe this is a totally different question. But if he is healthy and with Zardes there too, which we've Berhalter's shown, he likes to roll with Josh Zardes quite a bit. I just don't know how he's part of the equation here, you know, come a year from now. Well, even even if he doesn't make this year national team, if you're Akinola, we want you to be our main guy for the Olympic team. Would you rather be the main guy of an Olympic team and go to potentially qualify for the Olympics or commit yourself to Canada? This is an interesting question because Stephen and I – Stephen and I have had this debate about the importance of the Olympics as it relates to international soccer. And I know Stephen doesn't think it really holds all that much water anymore. Yeah, you know what? I've taken a 180 on this. Okay, all right. No, but here, here's my rationale. Is I've been... Okay, well, here here goes the, the stereotypical Stevens line. I've been watching the Swiss national team, and actually the U21 team is currently undefeated in the U20 European uh, U21 European Championship qualification, and they're in the group of France. And I think these tournaments are valuable because I I just genuinely think you need game time. That that's that's all that matters. I, I want to. For me, it's a good exposure to see these young players. But the funny thing is. I was looking at the U21 roster for Switzerland, and a lot of these players are making moves to bigger clubs, especially the star U21 players. And I just don't know if you you can say that yet with the U.S. men's national team. I think we're getting there. I think we have a lot of young talent. But how many players at the age of 20 in the U.S. system have made that leap somewhere? Either they're still in the academy process, like a Gio Reina, whether he's still at Dortmund, but at, by the time the U.S. player here in America, if they take the traditional route, which is college and then MLS, they're already 23, 24. It's, it's, it's more – I think it's almost more important for the U.S. men's national team now to qualify for the youth these youth tournaments than it is ever in history because this is when you lay the foundation 
And when you have these players who are dual nationals, whether it's um, a Mexican-American or wherever, if they come from Latin America, Africa, Europe, it is an excellent way for them to get exposed to the national team. And hopefully you can cap them in a important qualification game when they are that roster spots between 20 and 23 where you fill it out, you bring a young guy, you get him exposed, you cap tie him and you move on. Yeah, I agree. I think regardless of how people view the Olympics as an international soccer tournament or just in general, like it's, it's no denying that the prospect of winning an Olympic gold medal would catch a young player's attention. Like, I don't, I don't, like, that's the one thing I don't get with people who don't see the value in the Olympics is that, like, there is value in it because what person would not want to win a gold medal if the opportunity is there, you know? Like, that's an opportunity to yeah. not only write your name and, like, you know, your country's history, but just in Olympic history in general. Like, that's huge. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know what the U.S., the, the men's side, I don't know if I would agree with that. I don't think, I don't think players look at it because it is a U23 competition as something to the resume like we know Neymar has a gold medal but or or Messi actually has a gold medal but that that's the only thing he's won with the Argentinian national team I guess it doesn't carry any weight it's it's like whatever so I, I think what's important is the game time and competition I don't think if if the U.S. won a gold medal I know every American would be freaking out but the world the world of soccer on the global stage would be like okay cool what does it mean when you are playing in a Copa America if that ever rises or the World Cup? But but that's what I mean. I think in regards to the, to the conversation with Akinola, that the pro, like the opportunity to be on a national team that could potentially qualify for the Olympics for Americans and for American players, like that's that's huge, is what I'm saying. It doesn't matter what the rest of the world thinks. It's it, it matters. It matters only to us in that we are giving these players the opportunity to win competitions like this that they're excited to play and that they're excited to like potentially win. It doesn't matter if Germans think it's a useless tournament. For us, we're getting players who are potentially Canadian or Nigerian national team players. I don't care if German people think the Olympics is, you know, uh, uh, practically like a, a yeah, but we should, but what, Yeah, you're right. I, no one cares. But what I want to say is we sh- – I. I don't care if the U.S. win the gold medal or not. I care if the players, the right players, are playing. I want the game time over the, the the stupid medal. Yes, on the women's side, a whole different argument because you have the world's best women's soccer players playing the Olympics. On the men's side, I don't know how many players that you say played in the Olympics ultimately pan out and have a long-term uh, career. Cause I, I don't pay attention to Olympic soccer whatsoever on the men's side i don't care who wins the gold medal i mean here's i mean this is what it comes down to for me i think when you're the u.s men's national team when you're u.s soccer any victory in a tournament is is a step in the positive direction and whether look i mean you can look if you, if you want to say that germans don't care about the olympics I mean, here's, I mean, here, okay, all right, all right, let's take a step back here. It's a U23 tournament. So the players that are playing in the Olympics are your next generation. Those are the players you're going to look to to say, these are the guys that are going to get us to the World Cup. These are the guys that are potentially going to win us the World Cup. Now, if, if, if you're the U.S., maybe not so much win us the World Cup, but maybe you're, 
through the U.S. thinking these are the guys that that are, that are going to get us to a fifth game or potentially a uh, I don't know if the sixth game in the World Cup is a semifinal or if it's a quarterfinal, but you get what I'm saying. These are the guys that, that are going to get us out of the round of 16 and beyond. And if they're winning on the world stage with the Olympics, you would hope that maybe a few of those players pan out to being a Christian Pulisic or a Tyler Adams or a Weston McKinney or a Serginio Dest, something of that nature. Because the chances are, if you're competing for a gold medal, that group of players is going to churn out two or three right. or maybe good players for you Jake, over the next four to eight years. We'll, we'll pause on that note for a second because I want to quiz you two. And listeners at Uncle Sam Soccer Pod, some of this was already mentioned, but who won the gold medal? Actually, give me, who won the gold and silver medal in the 2016 Olympics? So the uh, gold... Brazil. 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 And was it Nigeria, the other team? Brazil, yes. Who was the other team without looking it up? I'm not Justin. looking it up. That, I know, I know. That finished second to them? Yeah. Who, who was in the final? Who was in the gold medal game in the 2016 Rio Olympics? I would just guess Germany, if anything. Correct. Let's go okay. to... I mean, I didn't know. I was a guess. Did, was, yeah, yeah, did, no, no, that's fine. Who Niger- was at the 20... Did, did, go ahead, Jake. Did Nigeria play the third the third place game? Uh, I, I don't... I only have the finals list. Who even cares then? Well, there you go. Uh, actually, you're right. Nigeria did win bronze medal. Hey, 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 all right. We hey, we nailed the podium on this podcast. There you go. What about 2012 London Olympics? Well, uh, oof. That was Mexico, wasn't it? Correct. Okay, yeah. Runners up recently. Brazil, bronze medal. South Korea, 2018 Beijing. Olympics, Argentina, Nigeria, Brazil, 20, uh, 2004 Athens Olympics, Argentina, Paraguay, Italy. I just don't know, Jake, if we can look to it, especially the Mexican team, whether or not winning the uh, gold medal ultimately. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that if you win the gold medal, that team's going to, you're going to take those 11 guys, or those 18 guys on that team. And you can just plug them into your national team for the next 10 years. What I'm saying is, if you win the gold medal, chances are there's two or three players on that team who you can then look at and plug them into your national team for the next eight to 10 years. That's what I'm saying. It's not about every generation turning into, you don't look at the team that, you don't think, like the U17s that was supposed to be really good for the the US or the U19s, whatever the year, whatever age group it was that went deep into the World Cup last year. You don't look at that team and go, these are the 18 guys that are then going to lead us to the promised land, you know, eight years from now. You go, okay, you identify who are the two to three, potentially four guys in this group that are going to be mainstays in the national team. That's what you look for. Sure. And if you can say that, if you can say that they won the gold medal, you can say, chances are that group of players is probably pretty good. and And the top guys on that team are probably really good. And maybe the rest of those guys are maybe depth players. Maybe they're guys that fill out the bench or a couple of those other extra guys fill out the bench, the national team moving forward. But what I'm saying is each generation <clears throat> for that age group, you want to get a couple of guys out of there that are, that are plugins. And I'm not saying plugins in the fact that like Tim Ream, like who cares about Tim Ream? He's on our list here. If we talk about the Americans abroad here, but 
what I'm saying is you want guys like McKinney or you want guys like Reggie Cannon or Pulisic or whomever, guys that you look towards and go, these guys are going to be a, be fixtures in this national team lineup moving forward. And to Jake's point, before we move on to some of the other players that we're supposed to be talking about, um, Marquinhos was on that Olympic team for Brazil. Rafinha, Fred, <laughs> uh, Douglas Costa, Neymar, Gabriel Jesus, and Gabriel Barbosa. Um, Gabby Goal is like his nickname, who went to Inter and kind of flopped there and then went to Benfica. But there were there are there were some pretty big names. I would Justin, I would say that I would say Brazil tough argument because it's Brazil. They always may they always have world class players. I would be interested to know whether that Mexican team in 2012, which now we're eight years removed, so those players are arguably in their prime, how many of them are with the national team? I think that would be an interesting look-in. Now, Jake, Justin, listeners, there are, there are like a lot of these American players abroad writing these headlines for this upcoming season that we're really interested in in the Premier League. You got Christian Pulisic, obviously, at Chelsea, Zach Steffen at City, at Fulham, you got two Americans, Anton Robinson and Tim Ream. Can't forget about DeAndre Yellen at Newcastle. In the Bundesliga, Tyler Adams at Leipzig, Gio Renia at Dortmund, Josh Sargent at Werder Bremen. In Italy, who we're going to discuss here in a minute, Weston McKenney at Juventus. In Portugal, you got FC Dallas product, Reggie Cannon at Boba Vista. In Turkey, Tyler Boyd at Basikas, and then we can't forget about Sardinio Dest at Ajax. So there is quite a list of Americans to pay attention to in this upcoming season. Steven. What? I, uh, by the way, I just want to tell you, I Googled that 2012 gold medal winning All right, Mexican give it to me. Tell me, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. There are games that are worth mentioning, sir. You... You, sir, were wrong. Marco Fabian, that's somebody worth mentioning. Uh, yeah. A guy, I don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, he goes by the name of Raul Jimenez. I think he's lighting it up for Wolves. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, another guy here uh, was a <clears throat> was a was once a DP with the LA Galaxy. Uh, Giovanni Dos Santos was also on that 2012 gold medal winning Mexican national team and Hector Herrera was also on the team as well. So Steven, you're wrong. There was, I just named four guys on that team that ended up having uh, pretty good careers, uh, club careers. That is. Um, and I think that just goes to show you my example that I'm setting here is you need three. Okay. Do you want me to write guys. you my apology letter and we, we yes. can move on? That's, okay, Jake, that's what I want. It dear Jake, often, I'm so sorry. I was wrong. And Justin, I might as well write it for both of you. Here's my apology letter. We're moving on. Question of the day, listeners, at Unc Sam Soccer Pod. Justin, we'll go to you first here. Which player are you most excited to watch? I think I think it's Tyler Adams. <laughs> I mean, like, that's an incredibly like biased opinion, but honestly, I think even more than last year, he's gonna get more opportunities to start. And um I think it was Conrad Limer that just got injured, so he's gonna be out for like a month or something. That means Tyler Adams has a clear shots of playing in an actual center midfield role as opposed to playing as a right back. Um, 
So I'm just interested to see how he does there. And I think Anthony Robinson's a close second um, just because he finally got that move away from Wigan. He's going to be playing in the Premier League. And after that 3-0 loss to Arsenal, I can almost guarantee that he will see the field at some point relatively soon, um, considering whatever they did last game did not work out very well. Yeah, that that's definitely a name worth while watching. And don't forget, the Bundesliga will be on ESPN Plus this upcoming season. So I would assume there's more exposure to the European player uh, to the American players playing in the Bundesliga. Okay, boys. Do you want to hear who I'm excited for? Let me do guess. You want to, do you want to hear? It? Sure. Let me. Let me. Uh, first of all, let me just uh, pull this cork out of this bottle here. I just want to get this good sound effect. There it is. Here, let's pour a drink while we talk about. Who I'm most excited for. Now, this was a tough decision for me <laughs> because my my head my head wanted to say Gio Reyna, and I think a lot of American uh, fans, a lot of U.S. soccer fans, would say Gio Reyna. However, I think for myself, actually, and this is a guy I'm not really a big fan of to begin with. I want to see what Weston McKinney can do at Juventus. I want to see what becomes of Weston McKinney at the old lady of Italian soccer. I want to see, can he find a way to get himself into meaningful matches with that club? Because if he can, first of all, Steven and I, because I know Steven's not a big fan of West McKinney either, we're going to eat a lot of crow. Yeah. And we're big fans of eating crow on this show because we do it quite a bit. But I just, I, I think Weston McKinney moving to Juventus, if he can find a way to become a, a fixture in that, uh, in that, Andre 18, I guess. Pirlo managed team who is younger than the goalkeeper Buffon. How strange is that? They were teammates. Yeah. I just want to see a couple I, years he, ago. He, I think he, on this list, on this list, I think McKenney is probably the most interesting because if he sinks, I mean, we're talking about next year, probably another move away from Schalke. And at that point, is he going to Italy? Is he going to a, a mid-table German club? Is he going to Southampton or Aston Villa, assuming neither one of them is relegated out of the, the Premier League this year? Or if he performs well, is he now a mainstay at Juventus? Is he part of that midfield core? Is he playing with Ronaldo? Like, think about that. In terms of U.S. soccer, we have a player who's playing with one of the you know top three best players in the world right now. He's I the best that, player of this generation. I was, well, we, <laughs> we're not. <gonna> <laughs> <laughs> I think, At Justin I think Sosa, optically, it's great to see Weston on the field with with players like Ronaldo and like DiBala and Buffon, Pirlo coaching him. Um, as far as like him, like wh- what this year could mean for him, I'm pretty sure there's a clause in the deal that Juve made with Schalke that if they qualify for Champions League, they have to sign McKenney on a permanent deal. So, Is that the I option think, to buy? Is that why they word option to buy into it? Is yeah, that, no, it, actually. It, it, there's no way they don't qualify for the Champions League, right? Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I, I, I don't know 100% on, on the details of that, but I saw that Justin, floating around in yeah, some yeah, places. Yeah. So. Justin, it's, apparently it's actually 60% if he plays or appears in 60% of Juventus okay. matches. Um, I would say because the only way they're not qualifying for the Champions League is if they're uh, fixing matches again and they get caught. That's the only way they're not qualifying for well, the Champions League. Yeah, and, and, what, and the thing but, is too, like after his first friendly with Juve, there was a lot of positive, not just from U.S. fans, like from from people who follow Juve and, and are Juve fans, were saying like 
he's brought more life to that midfield in that one friendly than they had for most of last season. So if he has that type of impact, even if it is a friendly in this first game, like I'm, I'm excited about what's the, that's that's what you want to hear in a friendly, right? That's what you want to hear from the new guy. He brings a lot of energy. He's, he's fun to be with. And I think the Juventus team, especially of last season was somewhat old in that midfield. And, and Pirlo, if you listen to some of the commentary, Western McKinney kind of fits what Pirlo wants. Box-to-box, box, high intensity, high uh, energy. He's young. He's got something to prove. Because is this – I mean, in some sense, is this – do you think this is McKinney's last big opportunity to make a name for himself being so young and risking it going to one of the the elite clubs of European soccer? Okay, I'm. You want the. I'm the negative voice in this podcast. You know what I'm going to say. How old is he? What, 23 years old? Justin's that right? 21. 21? Yeah. I feel like Weston McKinney's much older than 21. Well, that just goes to show how long he's been around the professional game. That's a good point. That's a good point. You are correct. However, I think Steven's right. I think if he. Wrong. He just turned 22. A couple weeks ago. (laughs) There there you have it. I think if he flops at Juventus, I don't know. Who's to say he doesn't go to Hertha? Let's say Hertha revisits this potential move for him or Southampton. And who's to, I mean, like, who's to say he doesn't go to Southampton and they're like, wow, uh, Weston McKinney really uh, flourished at Southampton. And now all of a sudden, like, what what are we defining as a big club? Like, if Arsenal comes in two years and is like, hey, we want Weston McKinney, you're going to go. That's not a big club anymore. I mean, I don't think Arsenal's a big club. Now, Steven, you're the resident Arsenal fan of this podcast. What are you going to say? I put you on the spotlight uh, here. Are you willing to say Arsenal's a mid-table club now? No, because I think they'll finish top is that a four. Big, is that a big club? If, if, if Let's say three years yes, now. Yes, it's only a big club Arsenal. because it's in England. It sells. And I, and I think, to be honest, I think as much as this was a soccer move by Juventus, I also thought, mm, let's see, is there an American player that we can go out there? Because think about how many more eyeballs are now on Juventus in America. How many more kits will Juventus sell because there's an American player? I mean, he's the first American player to play for Juventus, the old lady. There's a little bit of a marketing incentive for some of these clubs Mm -hmm. to go after an American player. I don't know if you just go out and throw, what do they throw, $3 million at the loan, and then there's, what, an $18, $20 million option to buy? We're in a pandemic. These teams lost a ton of money. I don't know if they're still willing to just throw cash around like it's like it's, it's a quick fit. Did, I mean, like, to, here, here, but to me, this is I a think quick it benefit to them marketing wise. But I think the amount of money they spent on him just goes to show how much they want him and believe in him. Like I don't think you spend that money just because or well, just to make. Well, a I, I would play. say that sixty percent. I'd be very interested to know how often Juventus plays him in the final 10, 12 matches. Because if they look at it and go, do we want to, do we really want to buy you Weston McKinney? Well, we're, we're on the hook. If we play so many matches, well, okay, don't play him. Tell Pierre Lope, you can't play Weston McKinney because we're not going to buy him in the off season. We don't want him on our books anymore. We'll suck up the 3 million and then and then he's not playing for two months. I I could perfectly see that happening. It wouldn't it wouldn't put 
it, it's we're we're talking about an Italian team. We're talking about finances. The, these people ultimately are business people. They're going to look at the business. They're going to look at the business aspect. And if Weston McKinney does not fit what Juventus want after half a season, I pre, I predict that he's not going to play as much in the second part, especially if he has. A, um, a, a, a an option to buy based on how many matches I that he appears. I disagree. I disagree. Let's say let's say Weston McKinney ends up being one of the, one of the three or four best midfielders for Juventus, and let's just say Inner is challenging Juventus for uh, uh you know for the uh, Serie A title. If you're Juventus, how do you go? Damn it, we don't want to spend. Twenty-two million dollars on you know Weston McKinney. How, how do you say that? He's wait, wait, wait! But it doesn't make sense if you if he's playing well and he's a good player. Of course, Juventus should play him and will play well, then him. Then that answers your but question. My my question well, my question is is him. if he doesn't play well for Juventus, I, the, what the, does the Juventus do? The sixty percent clause. Look, if he's not playing well, he's not coming close to that sixty percent. He's not coming close. Okay, to but what if, what if, what if, what if, for some well, reason injuries happen because they, they're common? What if, what if Pirlo is is forced to play him at least half the season, the beginning well, half the season? Him, hey, I, yeah, I think. I mean, happen. honestly, I, I understand where where the concern is coming from, but I, I honestly think it's just a little too cynical, like to look at it that way right now. Um, I, I don't know. I just like to to just automatically think like. Worst case scenario, you know, like that could happen for anybody. It's not just because he's American that it could happen, or because he's Weston McKinney, it could happen. Like, I, I right, but I, I just, think I it's it's a, it's a it's a it's very much a concern because that concerned at this point. Well, in 2021, the U.S. men's national team will be playing, uh, will be trying to qualify for the World Cup. Will be playing the the Nations League. I, I, you want your players playing regardless if it's in the Championship, Champions League. Or an MLS, you you want these players consistently playing, especially a twenty two year old, and we don't Here's know. How, we simply do not know what how much playing time he will get at Schalke. We knew that he was pretty much in the lineup day in and day out. At Juventus, we don't know, and he's taking a gamble him. on himself. Juventus is taking a gamble because he, there's obviously there's money no spent. But if Weston McKinney reaches his ceiling, then it's a great investment, and every American fan will be absolutely through the roof. Look at this guy; he's playing at Juventus. But if there, he, if there's he... no gamble. There's no gamble. Here's the thing: the permanent clause they put the sixty percent clause. That's a pretty low. Um, that's a pretty low. That's half the games, basically, a little over half the games. And the fact that Juventus agreed to that probably tells you that they intend to buy him. Their midfield is also like really thin. It's, it's I mean, the only players they have really... a super old uh, midfield too. Like they want they want Kadira gone. I don't know if he's I, yeah. I like saw that. And all he's really competing against for a spot is Bentoncourt, Rabio, Artur, and maybe Aaron Ramsey if he doesn't leave too. Because I know they want to get rid of him. So. To say that they're going to stick with those four midfielders and not put, like just refuse to play Weston McKinney for whatever reason, and 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 that's and that's if the the four of them don't get some type of injury or suspension either. Like right. I, I think there's I, no way in hell he doesn't catch. He doesn't get to sixty percent. Yeah, that, I, I I don't know. No I, I think that I think the concern for him not playing is is 
a little too cynical, but like I understand where that concern can come. In any case, okay, let's say let's just say he gets sixty percent this year, and then Juventus goes, oh, "Damn, we don't want to be stuck with this guy next year." What's the worst thing that happens? They loan him out to back to a team like uh, of Schalke stature or a uh, 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 mid-table La Liga team. What I mean, like he's not gonna he's not gonna get look. Juventus, I get it. I get it. they're the they're the giants of uh, of Italian soccer. But he's not going to get buried there to the point where he's just not ever going to see the field. He's just going to be, yeah. You know, but but the I, Danny I, I have seen Chelsea I have seen too many players. No, I have seen too many players at a young age get bought bought by a big club and they don't fit the bill and then they're passed around. And it, it and my concern for but Weston McKinney. He, if, but if your concern is he's not getting playing time, if he's getting passed around, he's probably getting playing time. Okay. Unless he's but it's so not... bad. Unless he's so damn bad that he's not getting playing time, which I have a hard time believing. If you can play at Schalke, you can probably play for 95% of the teams in Europe. Okay? And we You're all right. Know, if you play for Schalke, but, but you this can is... play for 100% of the teams in MLS. Weston McKinney is gambling on himself because what other big club what? is going to look at Weston McKinney? This is the same conversation we had last summer when we said Christian Pulisic, he's really gambling on himself by going to Chelsea. They and it paid off. To it paid they had, off. They paid $70 million for him. And we we sat in his pockets. And I'm guilty of this too. And we thought, I mean, at this time last year, the the, or the Premier League was a month into their season. We sat and he wasn't performing well. He wasn't making the starting 11. And we sat here and said, is he going to get loaned back to Dortmund? Is he going to get loaned somewhere? Because well, he's not because Frank Chelsea have that him. reputation. They do, and I don't think Juventus has that reputation. How many? You know, wh- wh- how many players were? Batshuayi was bought by Dortmund not too long ago, and he's already out the door, and he supposedly what had a high high season. Is Juventus isn't going to just loan him out to the Portos of the world. Sorry, Justin, or the you know mid table Premier League team X. You know they're not going to do that. This is this is different. They're not. He's going to get playing time. Like I said, sixty percent. If you look at sixty percent of their matches, you got the Italian Cup. I don't know what the hell they call it, Coppa Italia or something like that. You have the Serie A season. You have the Champions League. He's going to play in sixty percent. And of those you also matches. have There's a January no transfer window market, which Juventus go in get another cheap uh, midfielder. And, and what, what, we they don't know what's going to happen. I'm simply saying I'm just. I think it's a wor- – Justin, you might call it cynical. I think it's a worthwhile discussion They're, having. Midfield's old. Nah, they, they, they've they sold off. Uh, Matuidi's gone. He's at Inter-Miami. Gonzalo Higuain's gone. Inter-Miami. Pirlo wants to overturn the He wants Justin Young, yes. And apparently Weston McKinney fits what on uh, Pirlo wants. And it's great. If he gets playing time, sure. I'm just simply saying is there could be an – uh, uh, there could be a very small percentage where he plays in the first half of the season. Pirlo and Juventus sit there and have a discussion in January where they don't like what uh, McKinney brings or they think he just doesn't cut it. And either they say, okay, we can buy another midfielder. Weston McKinney sits on the bench or Schalke recalls him or something happens where his playing time in the uh, in the second half of the season doesn't match the first half. And we'll be questioning why. That's simply hey, all. Well, you know what? 
You know what though? At least he tried. At least he got. At least he. No, no, no. I'm not saying it to be cynical. Wow. Like, best effort. But the thing is, at least he put himself in a position to try to break through. Absolutely. At a big club and I think at Juventus. Yep, and how yep. many players or how many? And I'm not saying every player ever should. Jake, your favorite, your the, favorite American, Jordan chance. Morris. That's what I was going to. I'm not saying every player should should uh, have the opportunity to you know get a crack at Juventus or clubs of that stature. But I mean, I mean that's that's the perfect example. He didn't even attempt to at least make uh, or take the jump or take the risk to try and become something in Europe. He settled for the Seattle Sounders, and I mean that's the completely different debate on the show about. MLS and we need quality players in MLS and blah, 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 blah. But if, if Weston McKinney falls in his face, he can always go back to a club like Schalke. All right. At the end of the day, at the end of the day with this national team, if you have a player that's at a club like Schalke and I get it, they're not what they were two years ago. They're not a champions. I don't know if they, they're probably fighting off relegation in the Bundesliga this year. But if you have a player that's at a mid-table club in a top-five league, if you're a U.S. men's national team fan, you'll take that over a guy playing in MLS. Yep. And that's just that's I how agree. that's that's how it breaks down. Yep. Day. Agreed. Agreed. So, Justin, Steve, we'll give you the final you, words. If you've aired out all of the worst-case scenarios now, who who are you most excited for? Oh, we didn't even ask. <laughs> we didn't even spend the last fifteen minutes on Weston McKinney. We didn't even ask Stephen who he's most excited about. Uh, just, I know we're against the clock, but I know he's got to tell us. Weston McKinney. I want to know if he has. Okay. I want to see if he has, because he. I'm telling you, he took a gamble on himself, and I respect that. I absolutely do, and I admire him for it. And this is what we need more of the U.S. men's national team is uh, players is to take the risk, as Klinsman said, go to Europe and try it. Because if if he fails in Europe, you don't think FC Dallas would want him? He's from Little Elm, Texas, the FC Dallas's backyard. You don't think a huge club like LAFC would take Weston McKinney? He's like every American player has always this, you know, fallback of MLS to f- go into make a decent amount of money playing soccer, and maybe you kind of you, you get you groove back and make it back to the U.S. Men's National Team, if not continue playing for the U.S. Men's National Team. But it's McKinney, and then I'm gonna go with the obvious. Christian Pulisic, because I would love to. See, I, I think he could he could potentially break out, and he might be in contention for Player of the Year when it comes uh, time in April. I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it right now. You ready for this? Put this down, listeners. At Ong Sam Soccer Pod, at Jake Watroba, at Justin Sosa ninety nine, uh, and at Stephen Jodaran. I'm gonna say it right now. Pulisic awarded the number ten shirt at Chelsea. Let's just say he wins Player of the Year in the Premier League. Is he Lionel Messi's replacement the following year at Barcelona? You're, de- <laughs> You're stealing my take. You're stealing my take. Whoa, that could be a hot take. You can uh, at old takes expose me if you want to. If this doesn't pan out, I don't care. That would be quite an honor for myself. Jake, Jake, but I Jake, Jake wait, 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 wait. That's my take. That's my take. Give, gonna, give, give, take credit. Best exposure for the podcast if he does not, if he doesn't do anything this year. If he falls in his face, and we get. Old takes exposed. This is going to be the best per, uh, promotional stunt we've ever done. But I'm just saying, if he scores 15 goals or whatever and has however many assists and he wins player of the year for the, at the, uh, for the Premier League, and also he's got Barcelona sniffing around him, they lose Messi to City or David Beckham in Miami or NYCFC. I don't know, man. 
He might be the replacement for Messi at Barcelona. I don't know. Maybe it's Neymar, but maybe it's Christian Pulisic. I don't know. Just saying. Justin, think, Justin, do you think that happens? I mean, like, it could happen, but very later down the road. I don't think it's going to happen next year. Even if he were, like, I mean, I is, is he, is he still the best player? Is he still, is he even still the best player on Chelsea's roster with Ziyech, Werner, and Havertz coming in. Okay. Not to not to knock yes. him down. I'm not saying he's bad yes. or he's like declined or anything. Yes. I'm just saying they've signed three world-class players to play along with him or potentially replace him if he doesn't keep up the form that he showed towards the end they, of this season. They gave him the number 10, which means they look at him as their best player. I mean, that's, yeah, that's he is. He is. Let's say, say it right now. Let's say he, he likes, is. Let's say he likes the world on fire this year, okay? Let's say he's healthy. Lights England on fire, and Barcelona comes approaching Chelsea and says, "We'll give you two hundred million dollars for Christian Pulisic right now." <laughs> I mean, you laugh at that, but two hundred okay, million. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe the pandemic skews those numbers. I don't know. I mean, two hundred million. Jake, Jake, Jake. What did, what did, what did Neymar, Neymar costs two hundred twenty-two million? He is okay. not Neymar level. He might be a hundred thirty. You don't know that if if he. If, like I said, if he is voted the best player in the Premier League this year, let's just say that. I mean, there's a lot of hypotheticals in this situation here. But if he is the best league or the best player in the Premier League, he's voted that. You don't think Barcelona comes knocking and says, we'll give you $200 million right now for Christian Pulisic? And I, I think I, you think that's ridiculous. No. Let's not forget, Chelsea just, what, gave $70, $80 million for him last year? They didn't. I don't believe they sold Eden Hazard, who didn't win player of the year, to Real Madrid, who was much older than Christian Pulisic. They sold Eden Hazard for, what, 120 mil to Real Madrid, somewhere in that ballpark? I mean, come on. He, he's 22, 23 years old at this time, at, you know, next summer. He's player of the year. It's Messi's first. Gone, 200 mil. I don't know, man. Uh, I, don't think it's that, no. I don't think it's that crazy. Mm, mm, we'll see. Uh, at Jake Wittroba, at Justin Sosa99, at Steven Jodrand. U.S. men's national team. Boy, did we get into it. Weston McKenney. Players to look out for. Question of the day. Which player are you drinking. most excited for? Jake's drinking as always. Jake, your player to look out for is Weston McKenney. Justin, your player, Tyler Adams. And let me just simply ask you. We're clearly over time here. Why Tyler Adams? Um, I, I think Tyler Adams with with his opportunity now to play in center midfield as opposed to that right back position, this is his chance to actually solidify that starting role as opposed to being that he starts here and there, he comes on the bench. He starts here and there, he comes on the bench. And I also think we are looking at the progression of potentially the next long-term men's national team captain for a Champions League slash potential Bundesliga title contending team. Um, and I, I, I think this is a big year. I think, I think he's dealt with injuries. I think he's dealt with the obstacles of having to fight players who who are world class for that same position and having to play in a different position, you know, because his coach needs him there or whatever it may be. He's had to overcome a lot of these mental hurdles and, and physical, obviously, with the injuries that this might be the first. We actually get to see a full year of him. Because like if Tyler Adams comes into RB Leipzig and he performs really well, and I know I used Arsenal as an example earlier today, but there's no reason to believe that Tyler Adams could be playing for a team like Arsenal or a team like Tottenham or something like that. And I mean, personally, for either team <laughs> in the state that they're in right now, I really feel that those are. But you know what I'm saying? Part. A team like I, this. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Well, I mean, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
if Tyler Adams played, like, played for a guy like Jose Marino, they're playing in the Europa League. Are they not? They might be. But I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You play for a team like Tottenham or you play a club like that. I think Tyler Adams can play for a big club. Look, there's no reason to believe he can't play for a club like Chelsea or or something like that, too. I mean, but that's, that's all I'm saying is that Tyler Adams could find himself on a good year. He could find himself at one of the bigger clubs in Europe next year or maybe two years from now. And that's another guy you can look at like uh, as a guy that we talked about Pulisic potentially playing at a, at a Barcelona. That's another player who could find himself at a, at, a, at a big club in the next year or two. And that, and that, and that, that I think is exciting if you're the U S men's national, if you're a U.S. men's national team fan, but that is it for today's show. Listeners question of the day. We talked about it extensively on today's show which player are you most excited to watch this season you can let us know on twitter at unk sam soccer pod you can follow my boy steven jodoran at steven jodoran he deleted twitter off his phone so don't expect anything from him this week you can follow justin sosa at justin sosa 99 you can follow myself at jake Watroba. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review to the show wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star review. We always appreciate that. For Justin and Steven, I'm Jake. We'll talk to you guys next time. Deuces. Deuces.